Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. As always, business out of the way first. Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you want to do something nice, you want to help us out, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also leave us a review on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, don't forget to follow us on social media, on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History, and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Most of you, it sounds like, couldn't get enough of Darcy Hordachuk, so I got some good news. We got part two of our interview here today. During part two, Darcy gets into more of the Nashville Predators. He tells some funny stories about Scott Hartnell, talks a little bit more about Paul Correa, just some all-around good stuff to really kind of dive in the locker room, talk about Barry Trotz. And he also talks about Sean Avery quite a bit in here, and he talks about some fights he was involved in with Avery. So I think everyone will enjoy this. I actually don't have a lot to talk about. I was able to watch a little bit of hockey this week. Last night, I was able to watch the Washington Capitals play the Vancouver Canucks, and I was happy to see that Jay Beagle came back to town and got a real warm reception. As all of you know, I'm a huge Caps fan, grew up in Washington, and Jay Beagle's just one of those guys that I always enjoyed watching, so it's always fun to see somebody like him come back into town. Other than that, I got my in-laws in town for the next few days. I've got some interviews coming up, so I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Enjoy part two of our interview with Darcy Hortichuk. And that's how it worked. Rounding out October, the Predators were on a roll. In fact, you were the last team to lose an NHL game. The team was 8-0-1. This team was very, very successful. But on October 30th, the night kind of started off bad with a mechanical function. The Predators mascot ended up getting uh, hung from the ceiling for 15 minutes, dangling over the ice. It just was a bad night. Steve Sullivan would later quote, uh, was quoted in the Tennessee and saying, we just weren't there from the get-go. After a streak like this, when it kind of finally ends, how does everybody react? You know what? I, I mean, deep down, everybody goes home to their family. Everybody goes home to their kids. Your paycheck still comes in every two weeks. I mean, how bad can life be? It can't be that sure. bad. You're not 8 no. You still know at the end of the day, your whole goal is to make playoffs. It doesn't matter if you're the last team to make the playoffs or the first team. All you want. So when you're winning eight in a row, you've got a head start in everybody else. At the time, I think Columbus and St. Louis and all these teams were crappy that were in our division so we knew we were better than them so you know it's not so much about being 8-0 or 20-0 it's about okay how do we get better every night are we playing the systems is our record really what it should be you know what i mean so really a loss is just that it's a loss it's okay it is the streak's over moving on yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 fun to kind of say, okay, we went fifteen and zero, or we did this, and we broke this record. But what good is that when all of a sudden you're in the first round and you know you get knocked out, you know, and you had success all season? And we've talked about your time on the ice with Nashville. Let's talk a little bit about off the ice. You know, was there anybody you became pretty close with? I know Magic was also a big hobby of yours around this time, and and I have to ask, which teammate gave you the most crap for trying to figure out your tricks? I would always have all these guys, you know what I mean? Everybody was kind of busting our balls. Um, but, you know, like a guy like a Vern Fiddler would bust my balls mm-hmm. or Scotty Hartnell or Steve Sullivan or, you know, Scotty Nickel would every time. Anything I did, it didn't matter what I did. He would be all over me. Jordan Tutu. I was one of those guys in the locker room where I was kind of like, 
you know, like the class clown, where I just wanted yeah. to have fun all the time. I kept guys loose. I still think my whole career, I don't think I ever played a system. I know the coach would be like, hey, Darcy, the system tonight is a one-two-two. Get in there, be the second guy, first guy. I, all I did is, like, if you had the puck, I was going to hit you. I was going to crush. I was going to finish every hit that I could. And, you know, sometimes that took me out of position a little bit, but the other team knew, you know, holy crap. Like, We've got to face Darcy Hornichuk. Exactly. In Correct. the end of November, just shortly after Thanksgiving, the LA Kings are in town to play the Predators at the Gaylord Center. Paul Career was run into the boards from behind by Sean Avery. Without missing a beat, you jumped off the bench, tackled Sean Avery. You and Sean had a little bit of a history. And is there anything that sticks out to you about battling with Sean Avery over the years? You know what? I got to give the guy credit. He did his job good. Mm-hmm. And I was looking to fight Sean every second. And you know what? I got called out. You're going you're gonna to laugh at this. I was in the dressing room, and I got called out by Barry Trotz, Ooh. the coach, saying that was a selfish play. You shouldn't have jumped him. And just by coincidence, because I never – Avery would never fight me. I was like – and he would go run over a guy, and he would hammer a guy. And then if somebody did drop the gloves, he'd beat up the guy on our team or beat up whoever. Like, he was a pretty tough kid. So it was just by chance – Paul Correa gets hit, and I'm like, here's my perfect excuse. This is like, this is what you call an excuse. Okay, he hits Correa, you know, but unfortunately, I think I got a three-game suspension. It was on Good Morning America, but no, he called me out in the room, and he's like, that's a selfish play. We don't need this on the team, and then Paul Correa steps up, and he goes, actually, you know, if you look earlier in the video, I got hit, you know. I think I... I think I got a $15,000 fine that game because I missed three games or whatever it was. And you know what? People, people think you're crazy and that's what I had to do. And, and I wanted to let people know just because, you know, you're not going to fight me. I'll, I'll get you sooner or later. And he was one of those guys. I, I was on my radar for a long time. You sticking up for teammates is nothing new over your career. You did this probably hundreds of time. Is there anything you remember where maybe a guy pulled you aside and said, thank you? You know what? All, all the guys were thankful. Like before games, um, guys would come up to me and be like, Dars, listen, you know, this guy is slashing me always in the back of the leg or this guy's hitting me or this guy's doing this, you know, um, do you mind kind of talking to him, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just an, an ongoing basis where different guys because – at the end of the day, it's it's like anything. Uh, these other teams have guys that have their own internal um, fight going on. Maybe it was in juniors, you know, he was dating his girlfriend, or maybe he said something in juniors. What people don't realize is all of us guys come up together, right? We all know each other. We all know each other. And maybe, you know, in Team Canada, I came and, you know, somebody – took his job or somebody said something so when you're on the ice that's kind of the only time you can settle the score so but i'll never forget what bought me another year with the oilers is i end up my wife goes into labor and i end up missing against the calgary flames right Mm -hmm. and if you remember you you pull up this clip you know the, the flames and us we'd always have a battle but you know they respected us and we respected them but i was out of the lineup and i wasn't supposed to get signed that year and Corey sarich like crushed, crushed Taylor Hall. And I went from three games left in the season or at the time, whatever it was, and not going to be able to get signed where they said, holy crap, Hordichuk was in the lineup. We kind of need this. This is what happens when he's out of the lineup. And people don't realize it's like having a gun by your bed. You don't need to use it, but it gives you that peace of mind. It was job security. You know that while you're out there, 
everybody's safe. The minute that you're scratched, if they have somebody on the other side that can take liberties, they're going to. And so it really, it was ultimate job security for you. Yeah, no, exactly. On On December 18th, the Predators square off with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you have a hell of a game. The Tennessean reported you hit everything that moved and also notched a goal and an assist. Given, though, that we're talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets at this era, I have to ask, he just announced his retirement, so the timing on this is kind of perfect. What do you remember about playing against Rick Nash early on? Great player. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, was just strong in the puck. And so many guys are, are, are good players, but when, when, when you're strong in the puck and you go to run a guy like that and you don't, you don't move him, and it's all about puck positioning, right? So you're trying to reach around and... You know, he's moving the puck on the other side and then he's wrapping it, you know, in the back of your goal. You're kind of like, holy crap, that mm-hmm. just happened, you know. But, yeah, no, what a what a great career he had. And um, but like anything, all good things come to an end. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a new chapter where it's 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 fun to to be able to do what you want when you want. And I always say it's different now because you hunt what you eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you you go go somewhere or do something or go on a trip or you. Now it just means so much more. Before you're like, let's go to Disneyland. You go to Disneyland. Let's go on a cruise. Let's go on a cruise. You know, you kind of get... You get you spoiled. Get, There's meaning behind you it You get now. spoiled. Exactly. You don't get the dream anymore. And then you just kind of expect it, you know? Just a few short days later, the Nashville Predators blast by the Chicago Blackhawks with a powerful 6-1 to win. Vern Fiddler led the way with two goals. He's a really interesting guy to me. He started out in the ECHL and never was drafted. Worked his way up to the NHL pretty quickly. We don't hear a lot about him anymore. What do you remember about Vern? You know what? I was just with Vern three days ago at a kids' hockey tournament. He's, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, he's helping out in Dallas. Yeah, no, you know what? Vern was just – he. What, what Vern had going with him that a lot of other people didn't is he was fast. You know, he did a lot of those David Roy camps in Kelowna that he grew up with, but he was just a good skater. He kind of had a little bit of a jump on, on most skaters, and he was feisty. You know, he wouldn't drop the gloves, but he was a little bit of a shit disturber where, you know, he'd come in and hit you late or he would, you know, run around a little bit. He kind of did it was a whatever. Spark plug. Yeah, it was sparky. Yeah, yeah. yeah he brings energy. Did, did, exactly. Did whatever he had to do, you know, to get the job done. And, and you can't have enough of those guys. Also during this game, your captain, Greg Johnson, had missed 13 games and this was his first game back. What kind of captain was he? He was awesome. I mean, he was the guy that, you know, would... Uh, block shots and you know he would you know take a hit and give a hit and just a warrior mentality he was one of those guys that and that's what you want in the captain you want somebody that leads by example and doesn't uh not really a yeller throw anybody on the bus exactly no 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 he would just say it how it was and i think at the time we had so many leaders on the team that everybody kind of and, and you know what? I'll, I'll give it to Trotsky. Trotsky was one of those guys that was just awesome, right? He was a player's coach, and he was one of those guys you'd lose five in a row, and he's like, okay, hey boys, guess what? No more ping pong table in the dressing room. We're taking it out. And we were like, like all of us kind of deep down were like, okay, okay, perfect. No more ping pong table, you know? But he just kind of had the guys, the right guys in the team, the leaders um, on board with him. And as soon as guys would complain, you know, he had the leaders on his side and would keep the locker room in check. January rolls around and we start the new year. So it's 2006. Uh, January saw the debut of a few predators that would go on to have really good careers. And actually one of them had already began the year. It was Ryan Sutter. He would go on to play a thousand games in the NHL. But Shea Weber is called up in January. 
What do you remember about these rookie defensemen who both would, or, you know, are still playing today? So me and Ryan were roommates. So how's this? Imagine this. We're, we both come on the team. We both decide to live with each other. Now, what I didn't know is that Ryan is like, like a little bit OCD. So here I am, like just throwing the dishes in the sink, <laughs> just leaving my stuff around. And poor Ryan has to deal with, with me. Probably ready to kill you. Exactly. Where I'd come home and he'd be just like, Darsh, do you mind just kind of putting this stuff up? Like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Darsh, do you mind putting this up? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I got it. I got it. But, oh, my you know, God. Just, just another great guy. And he's another one. You know what? All he wants is his big suburban. I think he's kind of like a Paul Korea with his money. He doesn't spend it. He's not flashy. Money doesn't mean nothing to him. Um, and just a real good down-to-earth homeboy kid that – has a whole bunch of farmland and loves his tractors and loves his family. And um, so, yeah, no, yeah, he was just a real – Weber was a machine, mm -hmm. you know. Every time we do the physical test, um, I always thought I was, like, in in pretty good shape when it came to bench press and some of the other stuff. And then Shea would come in there, and he was just a – he was a, a man amongst, you know, boys almost. He was just, like, a machine. and just jacked. Yeah, just jacked, strong, you know, and those two really help kind of take the organization in the next level, you know. Both of them just awesome, great kids. Webbs is like one of the best, you know, very quiet, you know. Uh, him and Mason, Chris Mason, the goalie, were roommates on the road, so they would always kind of be playing their Xbox or PlayStation in the rooms all the time and, you know, just good quiet. guys, just good, yep. just good yep. kids. Um, one of the more interesting teams during the 05-06 season was the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you squared off with them on January 15th. Although Mario wouldn't play again for the Pittsburgh Penguins, he ended up retiring. The team was loaded. You had Sidney Crosby as a rookie, Ziggy Palfi, Mark Recchi, John LeClaire. You ended up fighting Maxime Talbot during this game. Do you recall what led to that fight? I don't know. Was it that hit? Was it? Bingo. It was the hit on Ziggy Palfi. Yes. You know what? And it, it was, so I just got calls from people and they're dying laughing. They're like, Darcy, we just heard on spitting chicklets that Ziggy retired after your hit and he left another 4.8 million on the table or $6 million on the table after you came across the ice and you like crushed him. And, um, yeah, they just had a big podcast on, on, yep. on, on that. And I, I kind of totally forgot, but when you do stuff like this, you kind of get to relive it and you, you know, that's the goal. That's what we want to do. Yeah. You were excellent at body checking, and this check was an unbelievable hit. I mean, you came across the blue line. What would you look for to line up the perfect check? I wouldn't look for anything. I was just, if you were the puck, I was coming for you. And you start to kind of know certain things where what I would do is like when I got a deep, I'd try to act like I was coming the one way, give a little bit of deception, and then go the other way, knowing you're coming around, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I was just kind of always good at angling guys, and and I could get there, right? I had the speed to kind of get there. And um, and I don't think a lot of guys at the time were used to guys finishing their checks or getting there, you know. And um, What do you remember about the rookie Sidney Crosby, man? Incredible. You know, just strong in the pocket. And every time we'd get out there, um, we're like, holy crap, whole, you know. And he's 18 years old. He's 19 years old. Some exactly. ridiculous young. And yeah. he's just, yeah, I mean, he's just so low to the ice. Probably one of the toughest guys I think that I played against to get the puck off of. Unreal. And, yeah, and, 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 you know, just has his head up the whole time. So how do you, 
how do you defend that? He's strong in the puck. He, he's an ox, and you just, just you yeah. can't. And that's why t- in today's even game, people can't, you know? In mid-February, just before the Olympic break, the Nashville Predators lay a beating on the Chicago Blackhawks once again. This time it's Scott Hartnell who's leading the way with three goals. He has his first career hat trick. He had just retired. You know, I hear he's a real character. Can you, do you have any funny memories of spending some time with Hartnell? Yeah, he was always a jokester. You know what I mean? He was another guy that would, and it was funny because we both had our shows in Nashville. Not that Nashville was a hockey town, but I had one downtown in this brewery pub, and then he had another one in another spot. So we were always laughing. We're like, look at, look at us celebs here. Look at us trying to do our, our radio or our TV radio show or whatever in Nashville. No, but Hartsy was one of those guys. Like, I, I remember, our, I think, our year-end party. Some guys on the team, like, gave him 50 bucks and said, we want you to throw ketchup and mustard all over Darcy's brand-new shirt that he's been talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, and, they're, and they're like, there's no way that Hartsy could do it. You know, and he had a few cocktails, and he did it. And I'm like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to beat this guy. You know what I mean? But you're kind of like... <laughs> You, you kind of couldn't because, you know, maybe the month before I cut his skate laces and then I was so vulnerable to all this stuff because I, I you know, what's the old analogy? You make your bed, you got to lie in it, right? I, so you I, stayed away I'm, from it and, and yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, no, he. I kind of feel it. like he's like the little brother probably to you at that point, throwing ketchup and mustard and you're probably just shaking your head like, Jesus, dude, oh my God. come on. Exactly. Exactly. But Hartsey, the thing he had going with him, right, He's he was there for so long, so it was kind of like almost his team. He's this young guy that's been there for how many years at that point, right? So Probably it's five or like, six years at that point. He exactly. came to the league in like 2001, I think. Yeah, he's established, kind of knows everything, you know, knows everyone. In early March, the team kicks off another trip to the West Coast. And I know Nashville was playing in the West, but... Last time I checked a map, I don't really see Nashville as a Western team. They're a little bit closer to the East Coast. How difficult was the traveling during this period? Oh, it was, yeah. No, I mean, but here's the nice thing is that we have the nice planes. We have the jets. We have all that, you know, so you can't really feel sorry for us because as soon as you get in the plane, you got your big seats, you got your pillows, you got somebody asking how they're doing yeah so it wasn't it wasn't all bad then gm david Poyle decides to tweak his roster a bit and brings in an nhl defenseman named brendan witt he began his time in nashville with a bang during the first period of his first game he gets called for tripping then as soon as he exits the box gets in a fight and then just a period later gets ejected from the game after you challenged scott parker after he laid a hit on jordan tutu he decided to step in and from the bench challenged parker what does everyone think when a guy makes a physical debut like that? I, I mean, are you just like, whoa? whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, exactly. And this guy's a talented. He's a skilled guy. He's a veteran in the league. And all of a sudden, he's challenging Scott Parker. That's kind of like, wow, holy crap. But that's how you get respect, right? And I think that's why he was such a leader wit. Like, I remember, I mean, he's, he's logging, what, 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, and he's trying to fight the heavyweight. All I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is, why am I on this team? They don't need me no more. They have this guy, you know. Yes. This was my job. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. The final week of March also turned out to be a big week for the Nashville Predators goaltenders. Thomas Vokun had just been named the NHL Player of the Week. Backup Chris Mason recorded his first home win of the season, and down in the AHL, future Predators goalie Pekka Rene earned his second shutout of the season. How much communication do you guys have? with the American hockey league team, when you're in the national league team, are you hearing about Pekka Rene? I mean, he was, the, what was the early word on him? 
Oh, yeah, you're always hearing because you're talking to the coaches or the coaches are kind of in meetings talking about, you know, what happened and how that sister farm team is. Because you're also kind of thinking about your job, too. You want Mm -hmm. to know what's going down there and who's coming up. For me, it wasn't so much because how are they going to bring up a 20-year-old that, you know, has no reputation? And here I am with, you know, at the time, 150 fights. So I didn't have to worry. But you're kind of, as a player, you're, you're down there. You're wondering who's successful. You're wondering who's going to come up. You're, you know, you, you're always kind of worried about your job. But um, nothing goes unseen or unknown in the minors. You're, you're, you're hearing that Pekka just got another shutout. And, but Poyle and a lot of these, you know, Detroit did it, I think, best, was it didn't matter what they were doing down there. They just wanted them. Yeah, you're staying to develop. There's no benefit you coming up and getting a shutout in the NHL and then us keeping you. But, and, and I think kids don't realize this, you know, in today's game or even when I played, then listen, just because you had three shutouts, you deserve to go up, but they need to now move those players around to make your spot available, you know? And I, I would kind of get frustrated. I'm like, man, I beat up this guy. I fought this guy. I did this. How come I'm not up there? But all they were trying to do was trying to trade that guy or trying to get him off the books, you know, you know, so they didn't have to pay him or try to do this. So it's a process, right? That's mm-hmm. why when you are at camp, you make an impact and all the scouts get together and throughout the year, they kind of realize, okay, hey, listen, we do have this guy down here. We just got to move this and move that, you know, so it's, it's a patience game. In late March, the Nashville Predators are on a West Coast road swing, and while you started the road trip, you didn't have the opportunity to finish it. After an altercation with George Peros, the league handed you a three-game suspension, despite the fact that the referees in the game issued a minor in a 10-minute misconduct only. I guess you had gone out to, to square up with um, George, and the league believed you entered the game with the purpose of starting an altercation or entered that shift with the purpose of starting an altercation. Can you set the record straight? <laughs> what happened here? So they said I had the intention to fight him that shift. I went straight off the bench and straight to fight him. And they're exactly right. Every game I have the intention to fight. Every game I know before the game who I'm going to fight, when I'm going to fight. And George was just running around. And I guess I was supposed to look at the puck or touch the puck. And and then I wouldn't have the intent. And I wouldn't have been focused on fighting. But... That, that, I mean, how stupid is that? I was going like, to say, seriously. even being possibly suspended for that, was that even something on your radar that could happen? Yeah, I mean, if you look back, I think what really happened earlier in my career when I bumped that ref and I got a 10-game suspension mm-hmm. and that ref no longer is in the league and realized that he did this a few times, I was kind of blackballed for a little while by these refs because they thought I was this crazy guy and Anytime they can give me a penalty, they were giving me a penalty earlier on because if you look at the craziest suspensions, and all I was trying to do was go after the ref to say, hey, listen, I just got clipped. Like, I was trying to fight Donald Brashear that game. It was against the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. I never meet. I didn't sleep. So I was in the zone where I was trying to fight Donald Brashear, you know, trying to fight him. I'm kind of chasing him around. I'm not even, like, looking at the play. I'm like, I got to do this. Here's my chance. And then all of a sudden, I think Hanzu's clips my feet they take it across the you know the, the the blue line and shoot it in her net so i go skating behind the ref he kind of stops into me i bump him a little bit and he does the old stutter step like boom 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 and like falls down and i didn't even think nothing of it like we thought okay no big deal and next thing you know i've got 10 hearing games. 10 yep. games oh my god and, yeah. and you mentioned Brashear, and I know that this is kind of outside the timeline of what we're talking about. I've heard that he is probably one of the scariest guys to have to fight, and you talked about staying up all night. 
Is yeah. there anybody else other than Brashear that kind of gave you the jitters a little bit? And I don't want to use jitters because I think that's a that's a poor term. But anybody that kind of kept you up a little bit? Uh, Derek Bugard was one of those guys, mm -hmm. right? You've seen what he did to Fedoric. He was kind of one of those guys. You know who was a, a really a sleeper back in the day it was a guy like Paul Laus. Really? He wasn't a big wasn't a big guy, but when he hit you, he was trying to put you asleep. Like you were gonna go to sleep. And if you look at Paul's stats back in the day, like he was he led the league there for a little bit in pimp like in fights. And if you watch his fight videos, there's a lot of guys in his fights going down, you know? But he was another one. He he's one of those few guys that hit me hit me pretty hard. But everybody, I mean, on any given night, you you kind of – George LaRock, I, you know, he, he wasn't one of those scary guys because he was one of those guys that was so nice to you. He'd be like, hey, kid, you don't have to fight me. The one fight, if you look at the video, he kind of pokes me in the eyes and I lose my contact. And then he's like, it's okay. Like, he didn't even try to grab me. And, like, he just – we went to the penalty box, got a two-minute. We're in the penalty box talking. He's like, hey, we don't have to fight. We don't have to do this. You know, you know what I mean? So it gives you the edge where then you fight a guy like – a Bugard or, you know, one of these guys, and they're, they're trying to, like, send your teeth out in left field, you know? It almost is like the reverse effect. I mean, you think about oh, it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, LaRoc now I'm like, I got this guy. Like, I can't know? fight LaRocca. He's too nice to me. Here, he just offered me, like, you know, whatever. Well, well, no, I always wanted to fight him because I wanted to get that notch in my belt to say, oh, my God, I fought him. But I wasn't as intimidated anymore because, you know, all of a sudden you're like, this dude's pretty oh, nice. Oh, I see what like, you're saying. It made it easier for you. It, it made it easier for me. Exactly. The Nashville, yeah, no, oh, well, go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't about being nice or not. It was like, you always want to feel old guys before the game. And if you see Avery, like he wrote in the book and he thought I was crazy, I was always trying to intimidate guys. My whole thing is before the game would even start, I was like in their head. I'm like, we're going to go first shift. And all I was trying to do was trying to get a reaction out of the guy that I was fighting to see if he wanted to go. And I'd be like slurring out of my mouth, we're going first shift. I know what you did last game. Keep your head up. I'm coming for you. And then like it almost kind of would set guys back where they're like, relax, Darcy. I got a banged up hand. Like calm down. So then I was able to now play the game. You, you know, is this oh, weird? Absolutely. Kind of, and then I'll never forget Wade Belak. Here I am off the draw and I'm like fuck Wade let's go right off the bat and he's like Dars who I'm like he's like who, who wants to fight first do you want to fight or do you want to fight Rippin who do you want me to fight first and I was kind of like whoa okay okay calm down here. we're <laughs> going we're going I'll tell you when we're gonna go because I never anybody that would call me on they never got to fight when they wanted to fight so if you called me on the next shift I would fight you when I was ready mentally, because they have the edge. They, they're psyched up in their head. They're like, I got, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like. It like so flips back. I, the control flips back to you when you turn them exactly, down. Exactly. Exactly. It calms them down. And now they don't want to do it because they're, you know, it's such a mental. You're kind of like, you know, your cortisol, you're, you're firing. You're like, yeah, I got this guy. You're, you're pumping yourself up. I'm going to hit him here. I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, I'll tell you when we're going to go. And they're like, well, no, no, then we're not fighting. I'm like. We're going to fight. Don't worry. We're going to fight. You know, and then I would tra chase them down and, you know. Jeez, the so psychology it, behind it all is just. Oh, yeah. Oh, um. it's such a mental. Yeah. And then I'd get guys like Zach Stortini that would catch me right at the end of my shift. And he knew I was dead tired. He'd wait for me to hit three, four guys. He'd pace himself. And then he would call me out in front of everybody. He would slash and whack and drop his gloves, right? And then I'm like, you mother trucker, I'm going to kill you the next shift. I know exactly what you're doing. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, He's and, trying and to get you tired. Kind of like, 
yeah, the fans are kind of like, whoa, Darcy should have killed him in this fight or he should have did this. But you'd get the odd guy like that that knew what he was doing. So then guess what I would do? I'm like, okay, next shift, we're going. And he's like, no, 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 no we're going. I'm like, no, here we go. And then, you know, you do it right back and – Oh my God. It's just the psychology part of it. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I know about the staying up all night and the, the, the throwing up before games and the nervousness. I it just, it's not just two guys throwing punches. There's a whole nother world in that fighting circle. You know, it just, yeah. it, it boggles well, me. There's a website called hockey fights. Thank God. And my ritual was before every game, I would watch whoever I thought I was going to fight or whoever got called up. And then in my mind, mentally, to get ready, I'd be like, okay, he beat up this guy. Okay, he lost to this guy. How did he lose? And then I'd break down how he lost to this guy. And then I would use some of those tactics, right? Like a Jared Bull. Jared only threw rights. So the guys that had success would kind of go lefts and throw lefts. So if you look at the end of my career, all of a sudden when I'm in Edmonton, I dropped Jared Bull because I knew – Okay, this is how guys were starting to kind of finally beat him. It's like Chuck Liddell. You studied the Chuck videotape. Liddell, Chuck Liddell was invincible, but then realized people realized that if you kind of don't let Chuck get the middle of the ring and you kind of go after him a little bit, or if you try to take him down, you can knock him out. And then what happened to Chuck? He got knocked out once. He got knocked out twice. He got, so you kind of He's human. You have this. Yeah, you have this in your head where, okay, well, I beat this guy that he lost to. Okay, I beat up this guy that he lost to. So now you're playing it in your head like, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget this. I think this is one of the things that helped me as a kid. Every night I'd put on a headset. And at the time it was, you know, the, the little tape, tape, tape sets. Mm-hmm. And I'd play this when I'd go to camp and I'm like, Darcy, you're, you, you'll fight anybody. You're, you're one of the toughest guys in the league. You're strong like a bull. You hit. And I would listen. I'd fall asleep at this kind of this positive affirmation. And people were, you know, would laugh and be like, what are you talking about? Man, in order to do it, you have to like visualize it. You have to see it. You have to put yourself in that situation. And then it just becomes second nature. It was like, for me, it was like right, right, left, you know, like it was just the second nature. And you could tell me, do this, do this. But when you practice it so many times, it was just kind of, what do I do? I protect my chin. I lift my hair. I'm going to come in here. And Mm. it just, it's just because it all started with that preparation and kind of hearing yourself. So when I went to camp, all of a sudden I'm like, I've heard this a thousand times in my head. You'll fight anybody. You'll fight anybody. And I'm like, yeah, I'll fight anybody. You want to go? You want to fight? You know? And it all started, you know, um, when I was younger trying to. You hear it so much, you believe it. Exactly. You hear it so much, you believe it. The Nashville Predators secure a spot in the playoffs on April 6th after Paul Correa ripped a wrist shot over the shoulder of Blackhawks goalie Craig Anderson to give the Predators a 2-1 shootout victory. What did you think of the shootout, that whole thing, and how excited was everybody to make the playoffs? I love the shootout. I think it's just fun to see the different moves that people have. I mean, it's boring. you got three guys on the ice or four guys on the ice and it's four and four. You just watch 60 minutes of that. Let's see somebody come out with this dangle, like a Datsuk where he like, you know, and it's fun for the kids growing up because guess what you do now? All of a sudden with YouTube, you get to see, oh my God, did you see Datsuk on this move? Nobody's talking about the four, four, how it was in the corner and the guy grinded it and threw it to the net and scored. They're talking about, oh my God, did you see that spinorama that Kovalchuk did? You know, yep. so I thought it, brought, it brings such a different dimension, you know, and um yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, well, you know what's not fair during the year? It is fair. You guys score. You guys 
I mean, people, we, we had that Omar on our team, I think, in Edmonton because he was a shootout specialist. And so many points came from that shootout. Um, so people were actually starting to kind of get picked on the team to kind of help that area of their game. So that's interesting. You have your face-off specialists, you have your shootout specialists, you have your enforcers. It was almost like another role that needed to be filled. It was a whole new element that was brought to the game. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we would work on it after every practice, right? That was one of the things. And I think that's the best thing about hockey is at the end of the game, we'd all do shootouts because we all had this vision. Oh, my God. You know, so you kind of knew in practice who the guys were going to be every time you went because we were practicing practice and they would always score. So, you know, it was easy for the coaches. It wasn't like, OK, I wonder who's scoring today, because right. some of the best scorers on the team aren't necessarily some of the best breakout breakaway guys. Despite having a good regular season, you know, you're scratched during the 0506 playoffs. You guys end up getting bounced out. I don't think it was Detroit. I can't remember who it was. I should have written it down. I think it was Edmonton, actually. Were you disappointed that you didn't get to play in any playoff contests? I think you're always disappointed, right? But I think that they kind of go with a different roster sometimes. Um, and if you look at my history, I kind of had success in playoffs. You know, from that point on, when I did play in playoffs, I was kind of one of those guys in Chicago, right? We were starting every game, you know, with the Canucks, and we had success because I think that physicality um, of play. But, you know, at the same time, I think they wanted to go with maybe the best players. And sometimes – you know, the best players in playoffs um, kind of shut down because maybe, you know, they get hit a few times and maybe they don't want to get hit. And it's it's a different game in playoffs. But to say I was disappointed, I don't I don't even remember um, if I was scratched or what happened. But it's so fun. You're in the locker room, you're cheering, you're, you know, and, you know, I tell the young kids this now that are trying to make it. I'm like, at the end of the day, you're going to get a shot eventually. Like one guy gets injured. Next thing you know, you're in the lineup. I think the next year I played a few games, you know, um, so it's, it's just a matter, matter just of being time. patient. Yeah. You just yeah, have to be patient. patient. Exactly. And don't pout and don't get mad and upset because if you're going to go all the way, you're going to play. Everybody's going to get injured. You got to just stay in shape. You got to be prepared. So when you do get that chance that all of a sudden now you can prove that you'd belong in there, you know, well, Darcy, this was unbelievable. You gave me so much of your time. Can you tell everybody what you're up to now? Um, so, you know what? I, I started a company called Canada to Arizona um, for Canadians, and now we launched Canada to the USA. And it's just helping Canadians come down to the USA, and we help them with real estate. We help them with all their needs, whether it's importing vehicles or helping them with cross-border taxes and just kind of team up with all the great people around um, Arizona and around the country. Um, and also I'm doing private aviation. So I'm working for a company called Jetlinks. So I take care of all of the people that fly and just try to get more people to fly. What's the website for people if they want to, you know, check out your services for Canada to, to the U.S.? So it's just Canada to Arizona. Car Canada com. to so, Arizona. I'm sorry. Yeah, about that. So Canada to Arizona.com and then Canada to USA.com. Anybody else want to picture Darcy Hordachuk being covered in ketchup and mustard? 
when Scott Hartnell threw it on him. I just thought that was so funny. I thought that was a great story. And I think Scott Hartnell is one of these guys that I have to interview because he sounds like he's got a ton of personality. So I'd really like to get him on the show. Hopefully we can, I can find somebody that maybe can help introduce me to him or I can track him down somehow. Anyways, Darcy was awesome. Can't thank him enough for coming on. Please support his businesses. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm working on a couple interviews that I've got lined up. So I got to do some research. So I'm going to keep this outro pretty short. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the support. Please, please, please consider leaving us a five-star review if you enjoy the show. All you got to do is just click the five stars. You don't even have to leave a review, but it really, really helps spread the word about the show with the Apple algorithms and all that. And we're trying to grow this thing. My theory is on this. The more listeners we get, the more players we can get, the more stories we can get. It's basically just one big giant game of dominoes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the feedback. We'll catch you on Monday for another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History. Talk to you then.